with the Survival Podcast. Welcome to an episode of Friday Flashbacks. After 15 years and hundreds of interview shows, we decided to run them as flashbacks every Friday, beginning with the oldest of them and going forward. There's a tremendous library of wisdom in all the great interviews we've done over the years, so sit back and enjoy. Whether this is your first time or even your second time around with today's episode, I'm sure you will enjoy it and learn a lot from it. And remember, you can help support the Survival Podcast and the work we do just by becoming a member of the Survival Podcast Members Support Brigade. If you do that, you'll get access to over 70 awesome discount codes on products and services you likely already use. Things like seeds, cannabis products, food storage items, custom roasted coffee, and even cool stuff like ammo and moonshine stills and more. So support the show, get all your money back and more. Just go to the survivalpodcast.com and click on members to learn more and sign up. Now let's get into today's Friday flashback. And today we're flashing back to August the 26, 2009, originally episode 265, an interview with Johnny Max and the Queen. And with that, I want to go ahead, wrap up the housekeeping, introduce to you guys today uh, one of, uh, I guess it's the first time I've had them on my show, but they were kind enough to have me on one of their shows in the past. Uh, Johnny, John and Tammy McKizak, did I get the name right, guys? You got That's it. Good. Okay. Also known better as Johnny Max of the Queen, famous for the Brew Crazy podcast, which they've been doing for a number of years, but they actually have started to do a new show called The Self-Sufficient Homestead. Uh, that was the music that you heard on the intro, so I wanted to give them a softball coming into this. Johnny, tell us a little bit about that song. I dig that song. Where's it from? Where'd you find it? Oh, that is uh, sung by Brick Daniels, and uh, it was put out there as Podsafe music, and then they pulled it, I guess, because they're trying to, uh, I guess, publish it. Even I don't think they have yet. But, but he did give us. But permission. he gave us permission to use it at our our will for any show that we're on or do or anything. I have a message on my MySpace that says so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's Rick Daniels. He's from. Uh, I don't know. We want to get him on the show because in the song it says that you know that it's. The words were based on where he grew up and everything, so I'm wondering if that's true or if that was the writer of the song. I'm assuming it's him, so we're going to try and get him on the show. But, yeah, isn't that a great song? It's pretty cool music, and since you all have permission to use it, if it gets upset with me for introducing one show to it, hopefully I'll fall under your umbrella and the queen can defend me with her MySpace message. Hey, I'm on the oh. show. He said I could use it at any time. Hey, yeah. quit. Cool. <laughs> all right, well, um, with that, I wanted to just kind of introduce the folks to you. I know that some of my listeners have been listening to you because I've mentioned your show, posted you in my forum, um, yeah. and of course, you know, I was on your other show. Uh, but just kind of on that note, you guys have been really kind of famous on the internet for the Brood Crazy Cast. I mean, you guys have over six thousand listeners to that. It is absolutely the most uh, successful homebrew podcast ever put together. And then you guys go out and create this new self-sufficient homestead podcast. Can you tell me a bit about kind of why you're doing that, what you're trying to get out there for folks? Well, actually, uh, I, I was a little bit fearful of the economy and uh, losing my job and just trying to get all of my ducks in a row and try and get back to my roots. Or like would my, that be chickens and quail? Yeah, my chickens and quail in a row. <laughs> uh, like my uh, like my grandparents and everybody, you know, was they just did everything themselves and were pretty much more self-sufficient. I had gotten so far away from and so had my wife. So we decided to uh, make a purpose and a mission of becoming more self-sufficient, one project at a time. And uh, we started the podcast to uh, 
put our adventure out there for anybody and everybody, and hopefully they'll jump on board. And actually, we have been getting help from people who have already done things that we say we're going to are about to try to do. So it's a it's a it's a journey and it's an adventure to becoming self sufficient, so that uh, we're not going to be uh, so. What's the words I'm looking for? So affected by uh, catastrophe that if something causes us to not be able to rely on the things that we normally rely on, like the grocery stores, gasoline, uh, electricity, that we can uh, survive uh, unplugged, so to speak, for a period of time. And kind of on that note, can you tell me, I mean, I talk about self-sufficiency all the time and and more and more independence from the system, so to speak. What, what does it really mean to you guys to say that you've become self-sufficient? Or, you know, it's really hard to be 100% self-sufficient today, but at least say, more self-sufficient. I wouldn't consider ourselves self-sufficient at this time. <laughs> we're, working, we're working toward that, but uh, we're, we're yes. nowhere near it. But we, uh, I mean, when when you go out to your garden, or when the queen goes out to the garden and cuts up a bunch of stuff and makes a salad, uh, or pick the gallo, or pick the gallo, <laughs> herbs, and she goes out there and cuts herbs and uh, seasons the food with that. Or I go kill one of my roosters because he's too too mean. And, uh, he became known as Stu. Yeah, actually, <laughs> he was. I had three roosters, and you know, like everybody's like, "Why do you want three roosters?" I said because you know, roosters have personalities. I'm gonna weed them down to the the one that I like the most, and the other I'm gonna eat. Well, this one he was, he was bad. Uh, so I put him in a pen, and I said, "Your name's Stu." So now all the chickens, if I call them Stu, they they get they run. <laughs> nervous. <laughs> yeah, but so. As far as being self-sufficient, we are working towards that. And one way is uh, just being, uh, I guess, uh, conserving energy and things that we do. We don't blow our money. We try and conserve. We stockpile. Uh, when I say, well, stockpile is probably not a good word. We're filling up our storehouse, a uh, little bit of food ahead so that we can make it through the winter, so to speak. And like the squirrel stores his nuts. Or what's the story you always say about the ant? Grasshopper and the ant. Yeah. But we're not we're not canning our own stuff really. We're it's it's canned goods from the grocery store, but it's just staying prepared, you know. And we're not squirrels, we're nuts. <laughs> <laughs> and you mentioned like curtailing the spending and uh, I know a lot like me, John, you you had your your days of maybe spending freely based oh. on comments from the queen. Can you talk a little bit about how you kind of roped yourself in and, and cut that back? What was it that made you realize you had to do it? Well, whenever you don't, well, what ha actually, what really hurt me was we were saving quite a bit, but I was also buying things, you know, sailboats and uh, Corvettes and things like that, which are paid for. They're, they're paid for now. We still have the Corvette; it's paid for. We got a good deal on it. But anyway, you know, it's, it's, a, it's some it's a nicety. But whenever we got hit by uh, it was Rita, Hurricane Rita. And I lost work for six weeks, and we were without power for uh, six and a half weeks. And I had some savings up, and it just barely, barely got us through. I had to run a generator to, to run an air conditioner because my uh, grandson, who was real, real young at the time, had an asthma, and there was humidity, and there was a lot of stuff in the air, so we had to keep one room air conditioned. And you're looking at uh, $36 a day in gasoline just to barely uh, – maintain my place and that was back when gas was a little bit cheaper plus you're, plus not, you're working. not working and i wasn't working there was no income so we were strictly going on my savings and we went through the savings i mean 
uh, we just barely made it. I think it was a blessing that we even had that much to make it through. We had to buy the generator, in fact. We had to buy all the stuff to make it through that time because we weren't prepared. And food was expensive. Uh, and I think we bought one. They got, I think they got the guy for gouging. We went to a gas oh, station yeah. and, uh, you know, it was hot and hot and they opened up. I mean, there was nothing open at the time. And I was trying to spoil the queen, and I said, "You want?" He said, "He's, he's got a coke." I said, "You want me to buy a two-liter coke?" And, there, and everybody's a big crowd at the door, and you got this uh, guy inside who owns the store, and he's like almost taking bids. We paid what eight dollars, something like that, for a two-liter coke. And I bought her that two-liter coke, and that was a. Story. I got mad at him for doing that, though. When I found yeah. out how much he spent. Well, she wanted one, and I just I did it anyway. You know, a moment. It was of hot, and we were waiting in line for gas. They were trying to prime their pump and get it going because they had to get the generator working for their pump. It yeah, we we didn't have gas, we didn't have propane, we didn't have anything. Now we're we're pretty much prepared. When a hurricane comes, I've got. You know, four pro- propane tanks full. All my gas cans are full. The fuel tanks on my vehicles are full, boarded up. And we've got plenty of food in store right now. And we've got several generators, in fact. And we have ability for battery and some solar, but not much. But well, we're getting well, that, there. That's really, that's really cool. cool. Hey, you know hey, what I'm going to do, guys? guys? I'm going I'm to drop the call. call. I'm going to call you back, and we're just going to splice in from here. Actually, I'm going to go ahead and... Just pause a second. I was getting a really, really bad echo that I'm sure was getting recorded, uh, but we're good now, so we'll just we'll just go from there. Um, just, you want to get you want you want to do a blank real quick so you can see yep. it. Yep, I, I'm good now. Just all right. So I guess what you'd say is that I guess Rita was the wake up call for you. We hear from a lot of folks out there that say they had something kind of a seminal moment in their life. Sometimes it was things that happened to them. Sometimes, for a lot of people, it was Hurricane Katrina, even though it didn't really affect them at all. But you all went through that. And I guess, you know, I've talked a lot to my audience and a lot to the media about debt. Whenever, like, a media outlet has me on and they say, you know, what's what's modern survival all about? As soon as I talk about debt, they kind of steer me away from it like, well, that's not what we brought you here to talk about. We want to hear about solar arrays, and we want to hear about storing food and, and, and all this stuff, you know, guns and stuff like that. But if y'all had to have gone through that, and at that time, instead of having paid for all that stuff and maybe overspent a little bit, if y'all had been forty or $50,000 in consumer debt at that point. We wouldn't have been in trouble. We would have lost everything. And yeah. I think that's what people need to hear, that that, now, that, that one we, event could have just done y'all in. Now, now I was saving quite a bit, as much as I could, but I was spending. I could have saved more. Now, you talked about the media steering you away from consumer debt. I think it's because they're in the tank uh, for the uh, people who are wanting consumer debt to get the American economy out of, you know, to, to, to get it out of it by spending, by causing more debt, more or less taking loans to uh, get out of debt. And, and Don't you think out. that's what, like, cash for clunkers is really all about? I mean, yeah. Most definitely. You get four grand, but you're going to buy a vehicle. Obviously, if you're driving some old jalopy around, right, you can't afford a new vehicle. So they'll give you the four grand. You turn that into your down payment. Now you get to be in debt for six, 60 uh, months. They're just packing that onto the price of the car, though. They are. They <laughs> no, they no, are. no, no, they're, no. They're 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 put. No, they're not. They're uh, actually. Uh, getting it from our tax dollars. Yeah. The, the tax dollars are being given to the car company. Uh, 
to make up the difference. And, and did y'all see that stuff about, I mean, it, it almost sounded like you would have believed it if you didn't see it with the Catch for Clunkers program where when the dealer logged in to uh, to register to, to get the rebate for your vehicle that you tr- traded in, the uh, terms and conditions from the government website said that the uh, dealer's computer became property of the federal government. <laughs> did y'all uh, see that? No. It, it that, said... That, they changed it after they got called out. Glenn Beck called them out on his show and put it on TV and showed a screenshot of it. It said that your computer became property of the federal government while logged on and that any information on your computer or sent from or received by your computer could be sent to any law enforcement organization, foreign or domestic. <laughs> and, you know, if you've heard, you, you guys listen to my show, I listen to y'all's, you know that I'm like way like pushing back on the tinfoil hat stuff. But that's that's, that's legitimate that's stuff. Where you look at it, go what? Basically, that's brother. <laughs> that's really big brother, right? It's now you brother. say all the political stuff on your show. I believe in thinking. Don't say on mine. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, and I, I, you know, Johnny, I got some advice for you on that. With like, I was listening to one episode where a guy said, "Leave the po- political stuff in the gutter," and um, I'll tell you what: don't try to please everybody. Because you'll you'll cut back on something, and somebody will like, why don't you show me? Why don't you give us more of that? And then you talk about it. Somebody says, I don't want to hear that. And it's just like you got to be who you are, you know. Um, well, if I was, that would that's what the whole show would be. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, we're gonna try and focus honestly on uh, on our mission, on one part of what we're doing, and our mission as far as becoming self sufficient in all of our projects. And boy, I've got some projects going. <laughs> yeah, you do. I mean. I've, Oh, did he tell you? Have you heard the show where the where the hydroponics went wacko? No, I listened oh. to a show about hydroponics. I didn't hear it going wacko. I was I was listening to y'all talking about the everlasting onion. Oh, oh yeah, yes. perpetual onion. Well, th- that kind of got messed up because our our uh, security device, the dog, okay. knocked knocked the hose out, and I heard the pump come on, and I glanced over because I heard it sucking air. And the aquarium was down to two inches. My carpet was covered with hydroponic water. Thirty inches inches of nutrient rich bacteria that I had been cultivating for months. You know what? In the carpet. The timing was good because we had just ordered a uh, steam cleaner, so I sucked up all that water. It saved my carpet. Yeah, and it probably was, killed Johnny because he's going. I've been working on that water for so long. <laughs> well, yeah. she calls me up. She goes, "You'll never believe what happened." Are the fish alive? No, but the whole, are the fish alive? Did you put some put some water in there? You know, my fish. You know, are the crappie alive? You know, the fish survived. <laughs> is that and, uh, what you're growing? Is crappie? Yeah, crappie and bluegill, mostly crappie. Cool. Because they grow faster and get bigger, bigger, quicker, and that's that's like the perfect. Anyway, needless to say, he moved it outside. I moved it outside. Now, you know whenever you uh, start plants in your house in the winter, yep. and you, can't, you can't just put them outside. It's a shock, the temperature difference, correct? Correct. That's what happened to my aquaponics. Uh, so we don't have a perpetual onion anymore. We're going to have to No, they're to try coming back. Again. Now, I had a bunch of lettuce in there, and, it, boy, it just killed it. And, I, and since then, a bunch of new lettuce had sprouted, and, man, it is way more vibrant, much greener. But it's hot, so it'll probably yeah. be bit in taste. But I didn't get quite enough light. So on the show we're posting today, we're talking about indoor grow lighting, all the different types and the requirements and what different plants require. Because I'm doing the, had done a whole bunch of research for myself, so I thought it was a timely thing to do a show on it. And I'll be bringing it in and getting my salad garden going again in the aquaponics since the fish didn't die. But i got to build the bacteria back up, doggone it. 
Very cool. Well, hey, since maybe folks might not have heard that episode, tell people what a perpetual onion is. You want to, sweetie? Well, uh, first of all, they may not know what hydroponics is. Hydroponics is when or you aquaponics have... aquaponics is ours. Aquaponics. That's ours is actually aquaponics. It was uh, an aquarium where the water is filtered up through rocks and your plants grow through the rocks. And this water has, uh, from the fish's waste... Which is ammonia. Becomes ammonia. And that's and got it converts very, to nitrate. Which is highly... nitrite, then nitrate. Highly in nutri- high in nutrients and it helps grow the plants. Nitrogen and oxygen. Well... We cut off the end of a green onion, and we planted it, and it grew. And actually, on so, one of, it grew an onion plant, but then we took that onion plant and grew another one. And then after that, I quit growing. I quit cutting them off. Well, we started planting more after we cut them off the end. But I would cut off just the top of the green onion, yeah. and it just keep growing. Yeah, she just, she, I just cut of, off enough to instead of harvest. Salad. Yeah, she wouldn't even harvest it. She would just go out there with scissors and just clip the, the top, top, and it kept growing. And so we had several onions, and she wouldn't even pull it out. But, yeah, that onion just kept growing and kept growing. And I said, we originally said we were going to take it out. She cut it up and put the end back in I have it. to admit, today's the first day I bought green onions at the grocery store in a long, long time. Oh, it's because <laughs> I took the aquaponics outside, and it, it, it stunted them, and they're just now starting to come back. Yeah, that's a bummer. You didn't have to tell me that. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I store-bought green onions. That sucks. No, you didn't. You ha- I bought them today. You haven't eaten them yet. All right, I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> <laughs> so let's uh, let's talk real quick because I have a lot of listeners that are big on something that's near and dear to your heart, and that's making beer. And I've got a lot of them that are really big on making mead. Um, where does that kind of fit in in y'all's homestead? Is the, uh, the beer making? Well, it, it actually came before that, and it's it's because uh, you can make beer you can't buy. You can make styles of beer you can't buy. Like you said about the mead, you can't just go down and buy a bottle of mead. And we've probably got, what, we just uh, kegged up, mm, what, 15 gallons of wine and mead? Yes. Something like that. And uh, and you were talking about mead. Man, we, we're, uh, we're looking real hot and heavy and studying up so that I can uh, get into beekeeping a little bit so that I can have honey for uh for my own meat and um, also pollinate my garden at the same time the only thing is i don't like the idea is when you harvest the honey the guy that's the beekeeper that we were talking to said you always get stung i don't think that was cool <laughs> I, I think it could be minimized i mean one you can get you yourself a good old uh, uh beekeeper suit and uh i got advice from somebody recently that told me the best thing you can do for a beekeeper suit is get the gloves and uh the, the head net thing like you're supposed to and go out and find you on surplus one of those mop suits from the military they said they can't get through that for nothing <laughs> now uh i had a have been brewing beer, but the last two batches of beer that we brewed, uh, the queen brewed while I was at work, uh, what, two five-gallon batches? Yeah, it's a stovetop method. Yeah. Nothing big, no big deal. No, she doesn't, she doesn't mash the grain. She used a malt extract, but she put the hops in and boiled it and everything and put it in the fermenter and let it ferment and then, uh, let it settle out and, uh, she, we didn't keg any beer. She, well, we did keg the last one, didn't we? Mm-hmm. The one before that, she bottled, where you put the uh, the sugar in it just enough for the and yeast to carbonate. And then he got a bo- more bottling equipment, and uh, because that time it was the biggest mess. I had blue <laughs> jeans on, and the, my around my ankles was beer. 
I had beer all over my feet. It was just real messy. And wow. since then, he got better bottling equipment. Yeah. And, and, and so now, you don't you don't drink beer very often, do you? you, you I just taste it. Okay, so so okay, Johnny, you got to build yourself a, an internet ebook here, um, because what you've you figured out how to do that I don't know any other man in the world has figured out how to do. You've got a wife that doesn't drink beer, and you've got her to make beer for you. I think that's a red hot how to get your wife to make your beer <laughs> uh, informational product. You've got to do that. Uh, I don't actually think I got her to do it. I think it's something she uh, just willingly did on her own. I can't make that woman do nothing. <laughs> and that's the big secret. Now she thinks it's her idea. Um, that, and I worked and paid for the cruise we went on, the last cruise we went on, I paid for. Let's see, what else have I done this year? Yeah, she works at a flower shop off now when they get loaded up at Mother's Day and Valentine's Day. She goes in there and does designing for them and stuff. So she socks her money away for adventures. <laughs> you are a lucky man, dude. Uh, I wanted to ask you about something, I, a, a project you were working on back when I was on your uh, your brew podcast. And I know from one of your shows you've tasted it, but I didn't... Uh, I didn't hear what your thoughts on it were. Uh, you made some lazy man cider. Could you tell folks what that is and how it turned out for you? All right. Now, the lazy man cider, that was just taking apple juice and adding, if I wanted to put honey in it, it would make it a, a sizer. Or if I put a little bit of sugar into it to make it, you know, get the alcohol up there a little bit. Or you can put a little bit of uh, apple juice concentrate. And all it is basically is you take a, a bottle of apple juice and then you put yeast in it, and I didn't even put an airlock. I just put a, a a baggie over the top of it with the lid off and a rubber band to hold it, so that the uh, the as the pressure built up from the CO2, it could get out, but no air could get in it. And then you uh, let it ferment for about three or four days, put it in the refrigerator, chill it down real cold for a few days so the yeast will fall out, and just start pouring it into a glass. And it's real easy. And it's uh, just apple cider, just like they, you know, it's just so easy to make. It's unbelievable. And you never made it up till that point, though, without doing anything to it other than just the, the juice and the, and the yeast in a baggie. How did it come out for you that way? Well, it came out pretty good. Now, the key is if you just strictly use apple juice, it's going to be a little bit weak in alcohol, and you might pick up the flavor of the yeast a little bit, come out a little bit yeasty. And I don't understand. You think it would be the other way around, but if you add the sugar to it, like, say, three-quarters of a, a cup of sugar to maybe two quarts uh, or three quarts of apple juice, it boosts the alcohol up a little bit, gets it up there about where uh, you know an average beer is, and it does something to it that uh, actually mellows the flavors out, even though you've got the alcohol bite in there a little bit. Mm. But no, it come out very good. Uh, it wasn't too hot alcohol-wise. I mean, you could actually drink it and sip on it. And uh, one, I had put a little bit of cinnamon in there. I put a cinnamon stick in it, and man, that was good too. I mean, it, just, it almost was like apple pie. Well, it's not bad to occasionally have something with a low alcohol content. Good for you know mowing the lawn without passing out and what have you. Now, uh, uh, today I had a bottle of beer that I had brewed uh, five years ago, and I took it to a restaurant where we go, and a guy, a chef there does beer pairings, and I've been promising I was going to bring one of these beers up there that I'd made because I only had a few left, and uh, it was uh, the name of it was Cause of Death. And it is a the label is a toe tag. Yeah, and on the to it's, it's got a toe tag, a toe. and on the toe tag it says "Cause of Death, 21.4 percent alcohol," and it's a beer, which is a true beer, nothing but malt, malted barley, 
and yeast. So it's a true beer by German uh, standards. And it was 21.4% alcohol. And we had like, what, six or seven of us there splitting a 12 ounce bottle. More and than that. and uh, they were, yeah, more than that. And uh, when the chef went, was leaving to go back to the kitchen, they were picking at him because he was slurring his speech. <laughs> it was uh, basically 43 proof. Wow. <laughs> wow. And that, yeah, that's not something you, uh, Drink when you uh, mow the mow the grass. One of the other guys there. Or swim in the swimming pool. Yeah, I won't go there though. Or walk. Uh, <laughs> well, they had one guy there exactly. who tasted it, and he writes an article about beer and beer food pairings here in the local newspaper on Sunday on the Sunday parade or whatever the special uh, one is. And uh, he was saying, man, this is such a big beer. He's talking about all the flavors and all the different levels. And he's like, man, it's it's so big, I'm almost chewing it. need to pick my teeth. It's such a big beer. <laughs> but, yeah, that's not your normal beer. That's not no. what I normally brew. So, hey, hey, tell us a little bit about your homestead. I mean, how far are you from the city? How much land do you have? What are you working with that you're doing all this stuff on? Well, I was had been looking at getting five and ten acres, and uh, decided to hoard my money right now because I, you know I got to hang on. I can't you know go penniless, so we decided, uh, like you said, I'm talking about our land we have now, to just uh, try and do everything on it. We have a half of an acre, okay, which is which is not a half of an acre that you can just do anything with because you know we bought the house and there's a circle drive in the front. So that takes up some of the real estate, and there's a 20-foot by 40-foot swimming pool in the back with concrete around it and a big porch. So some of the, you know, the house is kind of stretched out long ways. It's an old house made the same, about the same age as me. I think it was made the same year in 62, and they kind of added on to it, closed the garage, and then put another garage. So a lot of the real estate is taken. So everything we do has to be uh, intensive in mind. And we've got a garden roughly 30-foot by 30-foot. And we have the aquaponics, which we're trying to bring back indoors. We have a, a chicken pen, and I'm fixing to have a small barn put in so I can put my chickens in a room in there, and I want my quail to be in there with them. And I'm hopefully going to put in uh, uh, some kind of quasi-geothermal uh, to help keep the peaks down there for the chickens, the heat in the summer, and the cold spikes in the winter. Oh, it doesn't really get that cold. But yeah, we're working. I got fruit trees uh, going in, uh, grapevines, muscadine vines, blueberries, and I was going to plant a bunch of fruit trees in my front along the circle drive. And then someone said about what? What about the birds and the fruit falling on your car? I go, dang, I hate that circle drive. So, <laughs> I like it. Yeah, she likes it. So I've got to plant stuff there that's not going to cause birds to mess up our vehicles and cars or, or put them enough away well you can put uh, you can put dwarf trees out there right and yeah the birds will come in and all but you know they're only five foot tall so at least they won't be hovering above you know your corvette or whatever oh corvette's in the garage well yeah, she then, keeps what that you in the garage about? the corvette's in the garage on one side and all his brewing equipment on the other yes you wouldn't believe it you would not <laughs> believe it i mean it's I got some stuff. Oh, and the riding lawnmower. And the yeah, I had another brew system in there. I had to give back. A guy was storing it here, and every time I would brew, it was a big system like mine. I would have someone come over, and we would we would brew a you know a barrel at a time, thirty gallons, a beer barrel. Wow. And finally, I needed to get my riding mower in the garage, so I said, "Man, you're going to have to find a place for your brew system." So. <laughs> 
I, I, the main reason I asked the question is I knew you kind of had a – I didn't know exactly whether it was a half or an acre or a third. But I want people to understand that a lot of these things you're doing, a lot of things that I'm doing here – that you know, they maybe listen to your show, listen to my show, and they think, oh well, these folks have you know forty acres and a mule like the old days or something, and, and we're in kind of you know suburban areas just like everybody else out there. And a half acre is a good sized lot. I've got a third here in Arlington. That's a decent sized lot, but it's not like having a farm, and yet you're still able to do these things. I want to bring chickens in myself. My wife, we're, we're going to move to our place up in Arkansas sometime next year. My wife talked me out of the chicken. She said, it's one more thing you'll have to move. And I said, well, we could, eat, right. them. I said, we could eat them all yeah. before we go. Yeah. Right? She probably wasn't too game on that. Right. Huh? That's no. only if you're going to butcher them and you're going to clean them, though. See, that's the deal. With I'll do Sue, that. John, she still don't John had to them. butcher and clean them. He's a hunter. I'll do that. I have no problem. I can have that chicken done in about 15 minutes. Uh, the thing is, I don't want a bunch of chicken that I'm going to be the only one eating. My wife refuses to eat anything with a name. I had a hard time. Yeah, she I'll had a hard it. time. I had a hard time eating that chicken. And I remember uh, I didn't I didn't wring his neck because I'm not that good at it, so I just took a hatchet and whacked his head off. But I remember he looked right at me right before I swung it. Did you I, feel guilty? I, I remember that look when I was eating it. And then I said, no, nah, I'm not going to be that way. This is a damn good chicken. <laughs> this, this has more flavor than anything you can buy, even though they don't sell fat yellow chickens. They don't sell flat fat yellow chickens, and they don't sell them with flavor either. Yeah, I, I know. It was uh, it was something I grew up with, and I still I think about it now and go, you know, if I had him and he was like a pet, it would be hard for me to do. But I've actually read that if you do keep chickens in, and you do – Let's call it harvest them regularly. You shouldn't do it too often because it'll actually, over time, desensitize you to the point where it gets actually too easy. You don't really respect what you're getting anymore, and that does kind of make sense to me because, you know, I grew up with a grandmother that would, like, just walk out and go, okay, there's dinner tonight, and grab one and spin it in a circle, and yep. you could tell she didn't care one one way or another, and I was like, always like, you know, I was like eight years old, you killed another chicken, but... I also never had a problem eating them once they were fried up either. Um, so you guys are keeping chickens, but you're also keeping quail now? Well, we I just ordered uh, off of eBay 100 uh, quail eggs, and they're the Texas A&M uh, hybrids. And these eggs are huge for quail eggs, and the quail gets almost to a pound. A hundred of them. Uh-huh. Well, oh, no, we got 120. We got 120, and they all made it through shipping. And uh, Wow. Uh, and uh, I'm thinking, and all I didn't realize. On my kitchen counter. Yeah, where else would they go? And I, I, I was shocked at what 120 quail eggs looks like. I'm gonna have quails coming out the wazoo, buddy. Yeah. And my wife's, the queen's like, well, they're gonna be flying all over the place when I hatch. I go, no, they're gonna be little tiny fuzzballs the size of a of my thumb running around. I Making said, a mess. <laughs> they will make a mess. A hundred quail. Well, you're going to have to ship 120 quail. You're going to have to ship some of those up here to me, buddy. I, quail <laughs> are some good eating things. I, I thought maybe you had a couple dozen of them. I didn't realize you went that far. I do have a couple dozen. I do have a couple dozen. Time's yeah. a bunch. <laughs> Time's a bunch. Well, so I had interviewed a guy. an incubator? Yeah, I didn't. I was going to just make an incubator out of an ice chest, and you yeah. put a bowl of water in there and a fan from, like, uh, your computer. And then for a thermostat, you can use a thermostat from a hot water heater. And right. if you get a, a good thermometer, you can adjust it. But someone had given me one of those styrofoam. Uh, hub evaders? Yeah, uh, yeah, a long time ago, and I've, I found it. And when I opened it up, guess what was inside of it? What? A 120-egg quail egg 
automatic turner. Wow. Yeah, I like plugged it in at work. Destiny. Yeah, because yeah, he had informed me I had to turn them three times a day, and I was, no, I was she's, walking it. She's fibbing. I said I'll turn them in the morning, turn them in the evening, but somebody's going to have to turn them in the middle of the day. Well, but, since uh, you got that that incubator, I've got a tip for you. I picked up. I interviewed Trioxin from my forum, uh, Matt Hungley, on uh, Monday. And here's what he told me about that hubivator. I've got one because I'm like a freak, and I used to breed snakes, and I've got a bunch of snakes in the house, which my wife's not real fond about those. Uh, I but either. But would you butcher them and eat them? I, I, if I had to, but I really don't <laughs> want to. Uh, but he said he had one for his his chickens, and then in the winter when he was starting his seeds. It occurred to him that you had a perfectly controlled humidity and temperature environment inside of there, and he now uses it since he's kind of done with his chicken hatching to uh, to start his seeds in the winter time. And when he told me that, I had like one of those like duh moments because I had mine sitting on my desk uh, in my my home office for like two weeks in the uh, in the winter time this year, and I had all these seeds lined up with a heating pad and everything, and I'm just going. Well, that makes a hell of a lot of sense. That was one of the best tips I've ever been given. Well, what I had done this year, which worked fairly well, is we have a small bay window in our kitchen. Yeah. And it's got the shelves on it for plants. And I would take all the little, uh, you know, the little the, the peat moss planter boxes or mm-hmm. pots, put the soil in there and the seed, and I put them in Ziploc bags and seal it up. Oh, cool. And as soon as that, as soon as that sun hits it, it steams it up. Warms them up. It warms them up. It keeps moisture in. And I, I I never water them till they sprout. That I take them out. I never water them again. I just water them once, and then uh, the moisture kind of just stays in there. So, what are your plans for 120 quail, man? What are you gonna, are you gonna um, turn them all I into we'll to smoke quail? A or? lot of them. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to clean some <laughs> and eat them, but they're easy. You know, you just pull the breast out. Yeah. And uh. I love pickled eggs, but I've never actually had pickled quail eggs. I've always pickled chicken eggs, and these are big. And a friend of mine no, said, "No, you can't have pickled eggs." I can too. No. <laughs> <laughs> My wife says the exact same thing. Um, I like to make them with the pickled beet juice, so they're purple. Yes, Those like uh, that's, awesome. that's Betty Crock. That's Betty Crocker's recipe. Yeah. It? See, and I don't even like pickles. Yeah. Uh, and a friend of mine was saying, as big as these are, he said, man, you can, you can fry these up. They'll just be small. I said, yeah, I can go to work and say, I had 10 eggs for breakfast. <laughs> so uh, you've got um, you've got a wife that's not fond of pickles. I know that from one of your shows. And uh, I, what do you do with a bunch of cucumbers then, man? Because I've got, I planted lemon cucumber this year. And I've got one plant that's completely eaten an entire trellis. I mean, it was designed she for eats four. A lot of salads, lots of salads. <laughs> she likes them in a salad. But... I like them without anything else, just that and a little bit of dressing. Now, now she doesn't like pickles, but she will eat uh, cucumbers cut up with a vinaigrette that she makes, which is vinegar, water, salt, and pepper. That's kind of and a put, pickle that hasn't like... been pickled yet. Right, you're right. You're right. She'll she'll eat that. She, I think she just doesn't like the deal. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Cause, I mean, I went out today. I picked 15 lemon cucumbers today off of a single plant, and I picked about 10 yesterday. And I'm getting to a point. Where we got to figure something out to do with these things. I've been giving them away, but I, I listened to that and I thought maybe you guys have a, a a cucumber preservation or maybe a pickle recipe for the uh, the non pickle lover. Well, there's a German recipe to uh, cook cucumbers, but I haven't tried it yet, but we were almost there. <laughs> now, 
I do like fried pickles. Fried pickles. Yeah. Oh, that's now they've got to be pickles though, and these are sour dill. Pickles. I remember my first fried pickle. My first okay. fried pickle. I went to a place called um, what's that Cajun place? It's real big here in Texas, Razus. And we got this huge platter of food, and one of the things on there were fried pickles. So if you've never seen one before, <laughs> a fried pickle looks an awful lot like a fried oyster. Yep. So I picked it up, and I <laughs> I swear to God, I expected an oyster. And if you've ever had a bad oyster, you can imagine throwing a fried dill pickle in your mouth and expecting an oyster. I was horrified. I was like, oh, my God, what did I just eat? And then I I, I, some fried pickle. I'm like, oh, those are pretty good. Yeah. (laughs) They're like a Lay's potato chip. You need to be expecting it. Because if you say fried pickle, you're not expecting good. No. No, you need to know what you're – and you don't need to think it's an oyster because bad things will go through your head. Um, well, you know, we've, we've been on now for about 40 minutes. Let's kind of get toward wrapping this up, guys. You want to tell folks a little bit about your show, Johnny and, and the Queen? Yeah, well, we, uh, we try and put two shows a week out. We generally shoot for Tuesdays and Thursdays, and we sit down. Of course, uh, that didn't happen this last week. No, it didn't happen, but, uh, you know, we generally shoot for that. We did get two shows out. Uh, it was just delayed a little bit. We were having a grand, a grandson's birthday party, so I was doing extra things around the house, so I just put the show off. But I'm obligated to do it because we've actually put a donate button on the site, and uh, the queen wasn't too happy about that. And I said, well, you know, maybe some people want to encourage us to do it. And then we had a couple people donate, and it's now like, oh, man, I shouldn't have done that. Now, now I'm obligated. Now i got to do a show, so we have to do a show. But, yeah, we – uh. We have the Queen's News on there, and uh, it's pretty uh, – we keep up with topics. We talk about anything and everything to do with homestead and energy, uh, things that affect you on the homestead. We do talk about some of the uh, laws and things and restrictions that are trying to come along. Uh, we don't you know, slant one way or other on any party because I, I, when it comes to the homestead, half the time it seems like it's us and them. And they do things to uh, regulate us and control us, and we just lose a little bit more freedom. So it's just trying to keep aware of what's going on. But we do a lot of experiments, like my black soldier flies that I've got going, our aquaponics. And I did a splice on a tree. didn't work, by the way, but I haven't given up. I'm going to try it again, put root hormone on it this time. But, you know, we're constantly trying to do things to uh, get self-sufficient and get as much as we can out of our property and our land. So we're not farming our land uh, like the farmers of old, and I guess the big ones now with, the, like you said, a, a tractor and a plow and you tilling up rows. We're doing the intense gardening. Uh, everything, anything I can do to be more uh, sufficient. Like when I mow my grass, I was going to put a bagger on my ride mower, but it was like a $1,000 and I couldn't justify it. So I, I mow it to a kind of to a pile, rake it up, put it in a wagon and put it on my compost, and I'm uh, turning he, my grass clippings. He makes me remow the grass if I don't do it right and make the grass grow to the right place. That's right. If she's got lines of grass all over the place, I said, <laughs> if you don't, I, I said, you got to do it so that it kind of goes at least in a general area. Because uh, if you don't, I said, I will. Well, I got a solution for you. Start killing some more of that grass. A little bit of mulch and some cardboard will do you well there. But if somebody wants to find your show, Guys, how do they find your show? Where, where is it at online? SSHomestead.com. Yes, just go to, yeah, you don't even need the www, but you can put in there, go SSHomestead.com, or you can go on iTunes and do a search for Homestead, and you'll see it, uh, the self-sufficient Homestead. Well, folks, I'd like to thank both of you all for being here today. Um, 
I'm going to start doing more interviews because this makes my job a hell of a lot easier rather than uh, <laughs> rattling off 45 minutes while doing 85 miles an hour down the highway and having to yell at ass clowns that are in my way. Um, so this has been a great show. And, uh, again, I want you guys to realize we did this uh, late in the evening. Uh, the Queen and Johnny got on here with me to, uh, to help me, uh, fill in the week while I'm out, you know, right now I'm out in the wilderness somewhere out in San Bernardino, uh, hanging out with about 150 <laughs> folks from Wilderness Way. Uh, but you're getting a show because these guys took their time to come on here and be with us tonight. Uh, so do them a favor. Check out sshomestead.com. Check out their show. Subscribe to them. And you know what? Leave them some comments and uh, some ratings in iTunes if you're an iTunes user. Uh, that'll really help somebody that's starting out a new podcast kind of get some yeah. traction with it. If you could do that for them, it'd mean a lot to me because these guys have been great reaching out to me and you know telling people from day one about my show as well. So I appreciate you guys being on tonight. Thank you very much for doing that. Oh, before you uh, go, I want to thank you for having us on your show. And I, I download a lot of podcasts, maybe five or six different podcasts, and I always listen to yours first. I will go through all of them until uh, I'm out of yours, and it's like, okay, who's next? <laughs> and until next time. All right, until – no, you can say that. Until next time. Be wise. Be sweet. And, and be self-sufficient. Well, great. Thanks for being on here, guys. And, folks, keep tuning back in and keep on living that better life if times get tough or even if they don't.